I'm a little bit nervous this morning. <laughs> I ain't preached to this many people in a long time. I felt that, Brother Louie, though, I just, my heart was so, so happy and just rejoicing to be, be able to come back together. And so appreciate the mercy of the Lord to us. Amen. He's faithful. He keeps us through all the hard times and gives us grace to be able to go through them. And we may not understand it all now, but we know that we will by and by better. I greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, certainly appreciate the opportunity for us to be together again. Hopefully we'll be able to continue this way. And uh, we certainly want to still remember the different churches that are being affected by this. Brother Ron Spencer's really been hit hard. Um, Brother Tim Pruitt's right now going through a real difficult time with several in their church as well. Others, um, I got an email this week from a brother in Uganda, first time in six months that they were able to have service. I thought, wow, I'd like to have been there. I preached there in that church in Uganda and they love to have church anyway, so. It had been something to be able to have been there the first service in six months. So we uh, certainly appreciate each of you that are here today. Let us um, turn, if you would, to the book of Romans, chapter 6. We're um, going to offer prayer here in a few moments, but we want to remember Brother Gene Lehman, of course, that God would just be with our brother. Brother Lewis Lawrence also in Bristol and uh, so many needs among the people. But our God is greater than all these needs and these requests. Yes, he is. Also, next Sunday, Lord willing, Brother Andrew Glover will be speaking for us, so we look forward to that. Amen. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. <clears throat> now may I say, if you can do this right here, you are one of the most blessed people that has ever drew a breath on the earth Amen. to be able to yield yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead. So this lets us know we're not talking about folks that are just justified or sanctified, but these folks have had a new birth, but they still have to watch sin right here. That's right. As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. But notice how he separates now. He doesn't say that the instruments are born again. Your body is not born again. No, it's still sin. It's, it's flesh, but it's an instrument. This can be used as an instrument, this, these organs, guitars, pianos, on and on and on. And what, will, what kind of music will they play? Well, that'll depend on the person that has it in their hands. That piano right there that we bought many years ago when I first come here, it could have wound up in New York and Broadway. It could have wound up playing jazz, country, all different kinds of things. As a matter of fact, the recording studio that I use in Hendersonville, Tennessee, has one just like this one here. They play for all different kinds of groups, all kinds of the Southern gospel music that you listen to. But no doubt there's others in other studios and they wind up playing country and jazz. So what's the difference? Person who sits down and plays it. What's the difference in our instruments? The person inside here who controls them. 
Amen. Notice this, neither yield your members as instruments of, of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. I'm about to be remembered today as we pray. God bless you. <clears throat> Those of you out on the internet as well, we'd like to remember also Brother Randy Gissendanner who's still in the hospital and still has our need of prayer today as well. Heavenly Father, our hearts are just overflowing today. We could just have gathered here, Lord, and sang a few songs and just been so happy to see one another. I just can't imagine what it'll be that day when that great gathering takes place. Our mamas, our daddies, our aunts, our uncles, brothers and sisters that we've went to church with, and we'll never have to part again. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity that we could be together. Thank you so much. But Lord, as Brother Darrell said already, our hearts go to those who would like to be here and can't. Lord, some that in the hospital, Brother Gene Lehman, Lord, Brother Lewis Loris, Brother Randy Gissendanner, God, we just pray for your mercy to our brothers. Father, you see as far as the report that the doctors have given about Brother Gene. Naturally speaking, it doesn't look good. But if we could call a man here to the pulpit today and ask him to give us a brief testimony, we could say, sir, go ahead and start. He could say, well... It's hard to explain, but my soul was four days' journey. I'm not even sure where it was. But I heard a voice call my name. Lazarus, come forth. My soul started going backwards and backwards, flying back into my body. And life come in. So, Lord Jesus, we know if you can do that, you can raise our brother. Dear God, we pray for Brother Lewis. We pray for Brother Randy today. Other needs, so many, Lord. Dear God, this prayer calls I have in my hand. Father, for Brother Jeff Nunley, you see his need. We just ask you, God. Lord, you see the deacon brother, Brother Ron Spencer's church, Lord. They're going to unhook the ventilator from him tomorrow. God, we pray for your mercy. Lord Jesus, all those at Brother Tim's church, others that are sick, God, would you move, deliver the earth from this evil, Lord God. Father God, we love you. We call upon your name. Move among us today, would you, Lord Jesus? We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I'm sure most of us still to this day do not have a full comprehension of what a miraculous, phenomenal thing the new birth actually is. To take creatures such as ourselves that are born in the wretchedness of sin, come to the earth with evil thoughts, evil natures, wickedness so about us that it would seem as if though 
there was no hope for us. But God, by his grace, reached down and performed a miracle, changed our souls into a new creation. Paul in Romans, in Galatians, rather, chapter 5, verse 16, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I don't think I'll ever forget it. It's before I actually even came here to be the pastor, so I was still down in Kentucky. <clears throat> and Brother Tim Pruitt had come there to uh, speak for us, and he preached on a, on a sermon, and he gave it the title, Don't Feed the Animals. And he was taking the supernatural births and how that we're born again and still showing us the human element and likening this body to an animal. And as I heard that sermon, I've thought about it many times since then, but as Carol and I was in Kenya several years ago and we was in Nairobi, which is the capital there of Kenya, and they have a small game park there real close to the capital, and we were able to go there and they have uh, elephants and lions and giraffes and different things like that on a small scale compared to the Serengeti. But it's for those who will not be able to go out to the Serengeti and see all of that. And as we were there, they were telling us to not get out of the vehicle because they had had some Japanese tourists uh, just some weeks prior to our visit there. And they saw these lines as they were laying out under the trees and these different jackals and different animals. And <clears throat> you know the wildlife, how that they are not all the time feeding. If you will see a cheetah or a leopard and it's going across the Serengeti and it has its tail turned up like this, uh, the animals will stand right there and look at it. They will not run. They're not afraid because it is a signal to those animals that the leopard is full. The cheetah is full, and it's not hunting. But if they see it hovering in the grass and, and you know down on its all fours, then they know that it's hungry. But these tourists, Japanese tourists, had got out of their car because they saw lions maybe in their zoos and whatever more, and they saw them as they were under the tree, and they had already eaten, and <clears throat> they walked out to get a photo moment. But as they left their vehicle and they walked over close to where there were males, females, there were cubs in there, and it wasn't just a matter of seconds until these lions attacked these Japanese tourists. Wound up killing four or five of them. In an instant, the others chased them to the car. Now, why would anybody do that? It's because they think that these animals are tame. They think because it's... You know, they're laying there and they look complacent. They look like they're just like a big cat laying there. And want to go over and rub it or get your picture taken with it. But because of that mistake, it costs them their life. Now, you know, those of you today that are truly born again, and you have experienced the manifestation of what the Lord Jesus done by emptying himself out in the act of kenosis. And he become you that you might become him. But it's a grave mistake by many people to think that their body is actually born again. It is a grave mistake for any of us to think that we can trust our flesh. In reality, your flesh 
is more dangerous than if you were to see a lion in the Serengeti. Most of you would be like me, and I've seen them in the wild, seen them in the Serengeti, able to go off the beaten path there with a brother that was a game warden in the Serengeti, able also to fly over them in a, in a balloon. <clears throat> and whenever you see them, and you understand a little bit about them, there's nothing in me that wants to rub that cat on the head. Now, in the millennium, old Leo might lay down, but not now. I've got a sense enough to know the millennium has not yet arrived. But actually, I know that, so I would not want to get close to them. I would not want to rub a line on the head. On, on the head. I've hunted lines, I've hunted uh, uh, mountain lines and all of that, and they're very, very dangerous animals. But yet, I have a fear about them. But it would tend to be, excuse me, that we would look at our flesh and because it's so common to us that we would not have that same fear. And we would look at our flesh and say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good fella. I I know I've got this about my life, but I've got it under control. And I I do this and and I, I look at things that I shouldn't look at but it's, you know, it's under control. And I I drink a little bit every now and then, and I I smoke, you know, maybe just a little bit every now and then, just when I'm real nervous. But I've got it under control, it's good. You see, you're not looking at this animal in the same way that you would look at a nine foot brown bear on the Kodiak Island. You're not looking at it the same way that you would look at a mad bull that is taking his paw and doing that, and you've got on a red shirt. You're not looking at it the same way as you would a lion or even a bear, or even if you go to a zoo and they have an anaconda or they have a cobra or whatever more behind glass. We still feel funny. I just wanna make sure that glass is really good stuff. I don't like them things. Now, why is that, that we would look at that animal and yet look at this one in the mirror every day? And we love this animal right here so much and we trust it, oh my. Sometimes we think it's our very best friend, it is your greatest enemy. But it's when that perception of ours begins to change. And it does with many Christians, of course. And this is why that Paul wrote this in Romans 6, which we read for our opening scripture, and also this in Galatians 5. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the animal. Now, as a minister of the gospel, it is a great challenge for us to be able to produce and preach a balanced gospel to the people of the age that we live in to help them to understand what actually took place in the new birth and what did not take place in the new birth. And we know that our soul is the firstborn of God. God did not birth our flesh first by the new birth and then work in, but God actually did the inward work first in our soul and then he will work out to our body. And we know that the natural always comes first. And so in the natural birth, if God would have let me have the new birth first, I would have never had no problems. 
If somehow my mother and my father could have produced in me the new birth instead of the natural birth, my whole 64 years of life would have been a breeze. I'd have never had no problems, no difficulties, but I had several years that I lived under the influence of my first birth, which was first, naturally, and then I experienced the second birth, a new birth by my heavenly parent, but whenever I experienced that, it did not eradicate the first birth, which was given to me by Don and Betty Reagan. Here I am 64 years old, and I'm still dealing with that first birth, amen? So it's not like that once I get it, that all my battles are over. Now, many of us have experienced what the children of Israel did when they were being led into the promised land. And God, initially, the Bible said that God didn't lead them a certain way because they would get into war. And God was afraid they would become discouraged because of war. So God picked a path that was somewhat easier. And that's, that's a Christian that just becomes you know, knowledgeable of the Lord and gives a heart to God. God, and God will spare them many things. And many times, even when they come to the Lord, the Lord will take this away and that away and that out of their life. And they're thinking, wow, Christianity is going to be a breeze. Christianity is going to be so easy. But you remember in reading the scripture that when they came to the walls of Jericho, that God actually didn't have them to do a lot of fighting. All they had to do was just march around the wall. I mean, that was pretty easy. They do that until the seventh day, then the last day, they marched down seven times and then they just walked down and the, the walls fell down and they walked in and took whatever they wanted. But there was another time that God sent hornets to drive out their enemy. But that was not gonna be the way God was gonna fight every battle. Now, some of you, maybe God took alcohol, and I'm looking at people here today that I've heard their testimony that God delivered them of pills, marijuana, alcohol, all kinds of stuff. I mean, right the very day they give their heart to God. And yet you're battling with things in one way today that would be so much smaller than that hold of alcohol ever was. And you think, why don't God come and do that. Well, you see in the cycle of our new births, whenever we are breaking the water, and we don't know anything, of course, in the womb, but our mother is what's experiencing this frantic pain. Our father, if he's there, and he's trying to rush her to the hospital, and this world they are in is a world that is so much more knowledgeable than this little tiny womb world that we have lived in. Now, we've heard noises, we've heard our mother's heartbeat, and when you came to Happy Valley Church, you heard the music, it was there, and the singing and all that. Uh, you heard maybe animals around your house and your siblings making noises, but it was a world that you didn't know, you didn't understand. But your coming has set your mother's body in this strange cycle. Her, her body is twitching and contractions are getting harder and harder. And your father's a nervous wreck. And the doctors and the nurses are watching and looking and checking the blood pressure. You're totally unaware. 
Something is going on inside the womb. Of course, you're like me. You don't remember what was going on, but apparently it was. And it was a very dangerous time for us, I'm told. And we were totally unaware. Our memory is faded from it. We cannot recall it. And yet, the outside world is experiencing something totally different. The new birth of a soul would be something very similar in that the Spirit of God outside of that cocoon, as it were, of the seed gene is dealing with us. The preacher is feeling led to go a certain way and say certain things. That little seed inside of you is not conscience yet of a birth. All you feel is something wooing, something pulling, something moving you. It's actually moving your body and your, your tears are coming out of your eyes and your spirit is being moved upon. Affection and memory and so on. But your little soul, that little seed gene, there it is on the inside, it's totally unconscious of this world that is fixing to be born into. Now even though the world that I was born into on July the 9th, 1956, had I known it would have been such a scary world. And I would have been given the option to stay in that womb world that I had known. If I would have been given the offer, you could die out here. There's diseases out here. There's all kinds of people that will try to kill you. Or there's cars and automobiles and you might be killed in an accident. And if that was told to me in the womb, I'd say, I'm not sure I want to leave this world. I might want to just stay where I am. But looking at it as a mortal and I think back myself, now from where I am, would I ever want to go back into that world and live? By no means. I would not want to go back into my mother's womb and just be uh, an embryo and then uh, begin with my backbone and start growing and then the muscles and the heart and so on and so on. Would I ever want to go back and live into that world? No, I've had so many heartaches and troubles and difficulties, but yet would I want to revert back to that? I would not. So how do we find the strength then as we come from that world of silence that world of ignorance, that world to where you're totally unaware of chaos. You don't know anything about politics. You don't really care. You don't understand about many of the things that goes on out here. But yet once you left that world, you by no means would ever want to go back. Is that right? Now once the soul is truly born again, the soul that seed in you may have laid there for decades, it was as it was in a womb world of ignorance, in a womb world of complacency, and the seed lay there dead. It was there, but there was no life in it. But all of a sudden, maybe it's a tape fell in your hand, or somebody gave you a book one day, or you heard a gospel song. Something began to move on that and began to pull you into a stage to where you started down, we'll say, the birth canal. Now, as it did, something in the supernatural world began to, that little awakening began to make waves as it was in the world, not only of angels, but in the world of demons. And as they saw you being pulled upon by a supernatural force, 
There was something that wanted to pull you away from the reality of God. Oh, oh, go over here and join this church or, or go over here and just say this creed or, or do this out there. Why? Because something within you is an expressing an awakening hour. And if they cannot stop you from awakening, then those demons will try to pull you away from the reality of the quickening power of God. But would we ever want to go back to that state to where of complacency and the seed was dormant? I wouldn't myself, would you? No, I've experienced a new birth. I've experienced revelation after revelation from the word. I've had a walk with God. Brother S, would we ever want to go back to that? No, sir. There's no way we would ever want to do it. Now, it would have been so much easier that instead of just me coming out of the spiritual birth canal, that somehow I and the birth canal and the instruments by which was holding me in that shape would have all been transformed and my soul would have just been quickened to life and I would have remained in that human body. Now, that would have been ideal, but you see, there I'm talking about the body change, aren't I? But what God wanted to do was give me a birth from the soul, birth that on the inside of me, and then him become on the throne of my being. Then he would empower me every day to live an overcoming life. So instead of actually birthing this body, then what he would do is give me a power from inside my soul to control this body and bring it subject to the word every day. Now, some of you were delivered, as I said, from drinking, smoking, this, that, and the other. Whenever you first got saved, and for many of you, it's never bothered you again. But yet, your battles have not ceased, right? But they come in a different way. And Satan may try to bring back prior memories or things like this. Oh, that's dead. I, I don't want that stuff. I don't want to go back to that. But he comes up with new things. And he comes up with things that are custom fit that fit you to a T. Well, come on now, saints. Now, he knows that our bodies have not been born again, but our bodies are, I hope you understand this, our bodies are neutral. Now, in the sense, like a musical instrument, and for the, the brothers and sisters here who play, uh, this instrument would be absolutely neutral. It would remain neutral until someone would pick it up. Now, we just played there a while ago. We played in F, we played in, in B flat, and we played in C, and we went to all these different keys and chords. And those are some of the same ones that people who play country music would play. And some of the same ones that rock and roll musicians would play. So actually, that guitar, that organ, that piano, it would be a neutral instrument. But what it would do, it would take on the expression of the person who has it in their hands. Now, if they don't know how to play lead and all they do is G and C and D and C and D and G, and then oh, they might hit a little A minor every now and then or a D7 or something like that, and that's pretty much the extent of far they're gonna go. But another person would take the same instrument and because of their ability and they're more united with that guitar, they would be able to go to sevenths and ninths and thirteenths and all different augmented chords and diminished chords and all different types of things that the regular person said, what did you say? 
What did you say? They don't even have a clue what you even said. But they have spent so much time and they become one with that instrument and their fingers, whether it's on the keyboard or a guitar, their fingers just know where to go. And you're just sitting there watching and say, how can they do that when they close their eyes? How can they know which way to go? Well, they become so one with that instrument that they are actually expressing through, I wish somebody would preach with me today. They're expressing through that instrument and on another person, they pick it up and you can tell they're not one with it. They're just not. They're not one with it. They don't feel comfortable. And if the guitar could talk, I'd say, I don't feel comfortable with them either. Now you see, that's the way a demon-possessed person becomes. That spirit in them takes such control that that person just absolutely steps back and that demon expresses itself out of their mouth, out of their eyes, out of their hands. But that's only one side. There's also another supernatural side and this is the true oneness that God wants with his bride. Some people feel so uncomfortable in church. They feel so uncomfortable about the spirit of God. But others, it's their life. It's what they love. It's what they love more than anything else. And when they get in that channel, the Spirit of God can just take them and just move down the neck of their life and he can play this chord and that chord. Then what do they become? They simply become an instrument of righteousness that God don't play G or God don't play E or F, but God plays righteousness and faithfulness and truth and obedience. Whereas before, the devil would play your life and he played out puffing on a cigar or a pipe or, a, or whatever more and he puffed out you've been high on drugs and not only that but you wanted other people to be high and you become an instrument by which Satan was able to carry out his plan is that right and once we become born again the neutrality of our flesh is still there that's why that we can still get sick praise the Lord a Holy Ghost filled saint could lose their mind and be totally insane not even know their name not know their mama or their daddy or nobody around them because that has nothing to do with the soul. Is that right? A person sitting here today filled with the Holy Ghost and yet they could have high blood pressure, low blood pressure, no blood pressure. They could have cancer. They could have pneumonia. All kinds of things in their body because their body is still susceptible to these natural things of life. Is that right? And if it's susceptible to that, it is also susceptible to things of doing wrong. This is why we cannot trust this animal. It must be disciplined by the word of God. It must be kept in control. And this is of course why that the majority of Christendom out here in the world will never be able to obey the bride message. It's because they love feeding the animal. They love petting the animal. They love feeding the animal what it wants. But at the same time, many of them love to have a Christian testimony. Well, I'm a Christian and I believe the message, but I'm just not fanatical like Brother Donnie. I just don't believe you gotta live it every day. I just live mine on Sunday. Well, you're not going to heaven if you've only got a one day religion. That's right. And then what does that do? That sets us in a very peculiar stage. Now, the baby, once it leaves the mother and it's been living in this fluid and this sack all the time and the nutrients for coming from the mother's body uh, through the navel and the, the umbilical cord. And then once the baby comes out and the cord is broken, now the baby has to start breathing on its own. If it would have breathed and opened its mouth inside the mother's sack and taken the fluid down inside of its body, it would have choked it 
it to death. And all of a sudden, in an instant, once the baby comes out and they smack it or swat it or whatever it is, and the baby catches the first breath of life. What well, is a whole new world. The baby's never been here before. It's never breathed. It's never took this in like that. And the baby can never revert back again. Now, for those of us who've actually experienced the new birth, that's what happened to us. When the seed become quickened, it was like we caught a breath from the heavenly shore. And it's like we, oh, praise be to God. And we got a breath of the heavenly wind. And your mom is worried about you because she thinks you belong to a cult. And your daddy's worried about you. Your family's worried about you. And they're saying, Lord have mercy. They changed so much. What in the world's wrong with them? They started breathing heavenly air. Amen. They started hearing from heaven on the other side. Now, would they want to go back and tie the umbilical cord? No way. Would they want to go back and in that dormant stage? No way. There's only one way for the elected people to go, and that is further and further and further into the presence of God until we are changed. But we are still left with this human instrumentality, which is unconverted. Now notice this in verse 17. Paul says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So our soul then is the firstborn, and our body will follow. Notice in Galatians 4.22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he who was of the free woman was by promise. Verse 28, now we brethren as Isaac was are the children of promise. Now watch Paul is gonna run a parallel between Ishmael and Isaac and those who are truly born again, the soul and the body. So the body is born of the bondwoman. You see it was our mother Eve who sold us all out to be born in these Ishmaelite bodies. Right. But the Lord Jesus come and gave us a new birth that we might be born after Isaac instead of Ishmael. Notice in verse 29, but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. And it goes on the same way today. That your flesh will do as Ishmael did the day that Isaac was weaned. Whenever we looked at it last time, whenever he was weaned, and yet Ishmael is laughing at him, making fun of him, making sport of him, and the word is also as a toy. Your flesh will do the exact same thing to you. If your soul confesses by stripes and heel, God's going to deliver me of this, whatever you're going through, and your old body says you don't feel no better, you ain't acting no better, you've still got that headache. Don't you see what's going on? Your Ishmael is still persecuting your Isaac. And it always will until it's changed. Notice this in verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now let's run this parallel again if we can. Isaac represents the second birth or the spirit birth, and Ishmael was born after the flesh because Abraham had not yet died. Abraham was still yet able to father children. But Isaac was born after the spirit because Abraham had now died. So Abraham could only fulfill the promised seed of God after he had experienced death. 
And the power of conception, the power of sowing the seed, all of that had to be supernatural. And God let Sarah die, and God let Abraham die. Now I'm sure that many of us here today have got many little Ishmaelite children running around in our lives. Well, come on, saints, don't act like all of y'all are angels. I imagine that we've got D-Dans, we've got Medianites, M-E-D-I-N-A-I-T-E-S, we've also got Midianites, we've got all kinds of sons of Keturah, we've got all time, now what I mentioned to you now is the seed of Abraham that are not the promised seed. All the Arabian people are the people of Abraham. Many of them, of course, Joktan and the different ones, and they come from the Keturah side. But here you have the Ishmaelite side, and they all merge together and are still to this day, the ones that still survive, are some of the greatest enemies that Israel has. Is that right? And yet, how did it come into existence? Because Sarah slightly doubted God's promise. Watch this in Romans chapter four, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead. Now, wow, what a strange thing that Paul here brings in a New Testament term, but he applies it to our father, Abraham. And he, he actually catches the understanding that Abraham had. This is amazing to me that Abraham, even without the Holy Ghost, had a New Testament concept of a resurrection from the dead. Now think of this, that Abraham looked at himself as being one that was raised from the dead. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now we're moving into bride material, perfect faith. So Abraham could call those things that were not. Now it's not that they were, but they were in baby form. It's not that they were already existent, but they just hadn't grown up. They were not. They were not. They were not. But he called them as though they were. Now, it's one thing to look at a baby. Oh, there's the baby promise. Oh, praise the Lord, I'm feeling good today. Hallelujah, everything is going well. My, my, the doctor says everything's good. No, it's whenever the doctor says everything is bad. But your faith still looks at it and says, by his stripes, I am already healed. Because you are calling things that are not as though they are. Now hope must have all kinds of prop ups. Hope must have all types of crutches and wheelchairs and this and that and the other to hold up its little pitiful faith because hope is a little weak sister of faith, right? But yet real faith can look at it and say, praise God, I'm already healed. When hope said, well, I'll wait and see what the doctor says Monday. And then I've got this scan on Tuesday, and if it turns out good, no, hope, no, hope is not what you want to look at. But you want to look at faith if you've got the faith of Abraham. And if every scan, if you have one every seven minutes, and every one of them is bad, faith can laugh right at it and say, that don't change one thing. According to God's word, he suffered stripes so that I can be healed. I am therefore healed. I declare by his word, my healing is real. Then we are the seed of Abraham. Notice in verse 18, who 
against hope. Against hope. Think of it. There was no, there wasn't even no hope left. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Okay, so Abraham had to die before Isaac could ever be born. Sarah had to die before Isaac could ever be born. But Abraham could live and father Ishmael. Praise the Lord. Oh, we've got all kinds of little tribes. I'd say following us back here. We don't like them. And yeah, I did that whenever I was four. Got saved and this and this. And come on now. Some of you's got Ishmaelites after you got saved. Why? Because of what we want to do. We want to help God out. We want to help God fulfill his promise. And it'll produce an Ishmaelite in your life every time. That's right. Notice this. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. The word there, considered not, is pay no attention to those physical obstacles, both in himself and in Sarah. Can you imagine a man without the Holy Ghost? Being able to do such a thing that he paid no attention. It's like you're getting up and you've got this terrible, terrible headache and you've got this going on and that going on and yet you're confessing your healing and you say, ha, only a temporary setback. By stripes some heal. Means nothing. Absolutely means nothing. Only a temporary setback. This is not going to stop me at all. Praise God, I've got a well image out there in front of me and I'm going to shout myself right into that new body. Me and that body is going to merge together. I'll tell you what, a lot of folks around the message would call you an imbecile. You're out of your mind. And then we wonder why we don't see supernatural no more than what we do. We must believe for things that are not and claim them as they are. Oh, praise God. Notice this. So he paid no attention to those things which seemingly would render the promise hopeless. You see, if you focus on those things in your life that seemingly will render the promise hopeless, you have not yet moved up to the seat of Abraham. Notice this, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. Oh my goodness, now dead. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Do you understand how important praise is when you're claiming a promise of God? The prophet of God tells us to water the promise of God with praise. That's your water, and you're the only one that can pour the water on that. Other people can say, praise God, you're healed. Praise God, you're delivered. Praise God, this is gonna happen. But God wants that water from your mouth. 
God wants that water from your mouth. I'm going to be delivered. My husband's going to be saved. My daughter's going to come back to God. My backslidden son's going to come back to God. God, I give you thanks. God, I give you praise. I'm going to go to big lots and buy him a necktie to wear to church. My boy's coming in. I want to buy him a Bible. Now, let's, let's look at Ishmael. Um, keep in mind now when I'm talking about Ishmael, I'm actually talking about you <laughs> and me. Now, our setting is Hagar and Ishmael have been sent away. Genesis 16, 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's, Sarai's maid. Isn't it amazing? The angel of the Lord did not acknowledge her as Abram's wife. You and I might do whatever we want to change our title by words, but it has to be a supernatural union before God recognizes it. Now, by the law of the land, she was his wife, but the angel said he was his maid. Whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return, notice, not to your husband, but to your mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. What was Hagar, an Egyptian? What is Hagar doing, playing the role of, of submission. Did Hagar ever become elect? No. But she submitted to the promised seed. Hallelujah. Notice this. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly. Now we know a woman don't have a seed. She has an egg or a field. What's he gonna multiply? You see, once Abraham imparted this seed into her, it become her seed. Uh-huh. Once God will move in a revival in the denominations, he gives them his seed. The Lutherans, sanctification, Pentecostals, whatever more, that's theirs. They can do with it what they will. We see what they did with it. Now God's saying to Hagar, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child. Thou shalt bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Ishmael. Now look at the last two letters of this word, E-L, which is God. Because the Lord has heard thy affliction. Now here we go with the benediction. He will be a wild man. You say poor old Ishmael, you should say poor old Harry, poor old Justin, poor old Donnie, poor old Jack. He will be a wild man. This word wild is actually wild donkey. Wild ass is the Hebrew word. He will be a wild donkey of a man. Now you know where we get our stubbornness. Oh, 
and on and on and on and on and on. Now you know where we Christians still get some of our stubbornness and hard-headedness, don't you? You old donkey, you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And he will be a wild man, untamable, unconvertible. That's what the prophet said, see not here the show in Jeffersonville. Untamable, unconvertible. His hand will be against every man. Can't you see why our flesh, our bodies, has a hard time sometimes even get along with church folks? Church folks have issues and problems. Y'all love everybody's flesh in the world. Don't you hold your hand up. This is our first time to be together. I want to pull up every one of y'all. Just face facts. There's folks' flesh we just don't like. We can't get along with them. So what do we do? Sometimes we have to stay away from them. Even folks that are Christians, wow, Ishmael don't like Ishmael. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. So here is the epitome of the offspring of humanity. You're a wild donkey. Praise God. Very flattering, right? But Brother Donnie, my mother and father are millionaires. You're just a rich donkey and the rest of us are poor donkeys. Now, the angel of the Lord is conveying here We know that in the patrimony of the way that it would work, that God could bless Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, Dan, you know, all the different tribes, and it would be a a blessing upon that individual. But it was speaking of a nature that would be on that tribe. So here he's not only speaking of Ishmael alone, because he isn't going to live that long, to be able to fulfill all of this. But he's speaking it about his genealogy thereafter. They will be stubborn, strong, pugnacious. Nobody will ever really be able to dominate them. Do you understand the Medes, the Persians, the Romans, the Greeks, the Cappadocians, none of the great empires of the world ever, ever made the Arabs submit? Now, you may think that's a great compliment. When you're stubborn and hard-headed and won't submit to the Word of God, that ain't a compliment at all. Well, I like my independence. Your independence will lead you to hell. God don't want your independence. He wants your dependence. Your dependence on Him. Not on a preacher now, but on the Lord and His way. Now watch, this is also something that he identifies with him about this nature, that his hand would be against every man. So he's gonna be a hated man, living in hostility to those that are around him. And he would be identified with his brothers. He will live among them. And out of this line comes Muhammad. Out of this line comes the religion of Islam. 
one of the most demonic religions in the last 700 years. Well, praise the Lord. You tell me what kind of religion teaches their little kids teaches their little kids to hate the Jews and to hate Christians. And if they kill somebody, they go beyond the curtain and they get a great big old seven-story house and they wind up with 70 concubines or wives rather and they've got all this reward. Can you imagine what happens when them folks do that? And they open their eyes in the regions of the lost and they realize they have been deceived by Islam. I'll tell you one thing, the greatest evangelist we could ever have would be one of them raised from the dead. But Jesus told the, the, the rich man, let, let them go back, let, their, let Lazarus go back. He said, they've got Moses and the prophets. If they won't hear him, they won't hear one that raised from the dead. I'm telling you here today, friend, that Satan is the only one that wants to use this type of thing to bring men into a greater slaver than if they was infidels. Notice this, such is Ishmael and his posterity. Never were subdued. Now think of that. Of the, the, the Jews, of the Americans, of all the different people, the Arab people have never been subdued and brought in with those Ottoman power, this and the other, that they ever brought them as a culture and a whole society under control. Why? God said they would their pugnacious nature, how can they look at doing it what they do and their suicide bombers and all that? Well, anybody in their right mind wouldn't think of doing such a thing. But yet they are taught it from little bitty children and they are taught what a great thing it is for them to be there. Wild donkey. And when you get in the car and look in the rear view mirror, look at another Ishmael. And don't you bend that mirror towards your wife now. <laughs> you bend it back up towards them kids. I got a bunch of wild donkeys back there. Well, if there are wild donkeys there, there must be a pair in the front seat. <laughs> Every seed brings forth of its kind. I don't see how two angels in the front seat could give birth to a bunch of donkeys in the back. Oh, Jesus, Harry, come and help me out of this. <laughs> Notice he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Now watch, the angel tells him that his people will be a quarrelsome type of people. They'll have a temperament that is just quarrelsome. So before they had Katusa rockets, they used rocks. They updated them from rocks to rockets. They're just quarrelsome. You've been around people that sure ain't Arabs. We got a few folks here in the church, I think they're spiritual Arabs. They're just quarrelsome. They're not happy until some kind of mess is going on and they're right in the middle of it. You need to get Isaac born. Well, mama. You see, they're given to plunder. They're given to harassing. They were given by their makeup, their paternal prophecy. Lord Jesus, think of it. You were born lost, wretched, hopeless, 
it was of your paternal prophecy after the first verse to never be saved or reconciled. But God had a firstborn down in Egypt. God had a firstborn down in your soul and hid down inside this tabernacle and God said he is my firstborn. You see, for the minds of these Ishmaelites and Arabs, they think nothing about doing this sort of thing. It's who they are. Now, because they're broke up in Sheba and Medanites and Midianites and all these other ites, and they all, you know, they're different tribes, and they they all come together, and some of them live in tents, the Bedouins, as they're called. And some of them actually moved into cities and towns, but we've been in some of those places, and they still live in tents. So they just move about from one church to another. I mean from um, one. uh, And they dwell among their brethren, but they don't have a stable foundation themselves. So they live over here for a while and then they just take their tent down and move over there for a while. And you know, they move over there for a while. What's this? The prophet said, we see Ishmael and Isaac Yonder at the gate, 1957, at each other's throat, just as you said. Isn't it amazing that the very generation that Israel looks like is going to be annihilated from the earth, within a couple of years, God allows them to become a nation. When the Second World War was ended and it looked like the Jews were not going to be accepted by anybody, even those who survived the Holocaust, those who survived the concentration camps. And if you've studied the history, you know that the way Rome was divided up by Britain and all of that, they would only allow so many of them to come in. And then they put them in other camps. It was not concentration camps, but similar. And they wouldn't even let them go to their home. They took ship after ship after ship to try to get them there. They would not. But there was a prophecy in the making. God said, I will bring them back. I have scattered them to the north, the south, the east, and the west, but I will restore, saith the Lord. Remembers Ezekiel's vision as he saw it. Now that's the natural Israel. We are the spiritual Israel that we are called back to our homeland, the promised word of the hour. And yet here we are right at the very gate of Jerusalem the city of peace. And what do we find? Our Ishmael and our Isaac, oh my, at one another's throats. Our soul telling our body, you're healed, you're delivered, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And the body said, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like this. And they're at one another's throats nearly every day of your life. But who's going to win? I'll tell you, it's already recorded in prophecy who's going to win. The Jews are going to win in the natural sense and the elect of God are going to win in the spiritual sense. We will bring our Ishmael under such subjection that one day we will be changed by the power of God.
He will dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. The sons of Abraham by Keturah. I know you ain't gonna like this, but in the flesh, you're no different than a whore. You're no different than a prostitute or a drunk or a liar as far as your flesh. Your flesh is just as lost as theirs. And if you feed it and trust it, you're going to be in trouble. This is why some of our people today are in such spiritual trouble and spiritual dilemma. Because they feed that flesh more than they feed that soul. They don't pray. They don't read the Bible. That's why we pay you. You can't pay me enough to do your praying for you. You can't pay, Brother Darrell. You can't pay a preacher to do your Bible reading and your scripture study. God wants you to have that diet of the word. The Holy Ghost don't feed on music. The Holy Ghost don't feed on golfing. The Holy Ghost don't feed on hunting. He don't feed on cooking. The Holy Ghost has one source he feeds on, and that's the word. And it ain't just coming to church two or three times a week. It's you every day having that time with you and the Lord Jesus. When you pray, you read your Bible, you have that time alone with God. Oh my. Notice this in Job chapter 11, verse 12. For vain man would be wise Though man be born, your birth certificate. (laughs) Though man be born like a wild ass's colt, welcome to the stable. I'm sorry, friends, you didn't know this is in your Bible. (laughs) Oh, my. That's why this is not the promised seed. Ishmael is not the promised seed. That's why godly parents cannot produce a predestinated seed. The predestinated seed don't come by your mama. It don't come by your daddy. It can only come by God. It's not handed down. Well, the pastor and the deacon know it's God alone gives his seed out. This is not the chosen seed. It's Ishmael. Notice in Genesis 37, 28. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites. So here is Joseph's kin through Keturah. The Midianites was the offspring of one of the sons of Abraham and Keturah by the name of Midian, M-I-D-I-A-N. There was another name, M-E-D-I-A-N. So here is Joseph's own family. His brothers now have thrown him in the pit. Now other members of his own family And what are they going to do? They're going to laugh. They're going to ridicule. And they transport the greatest man on the face of the earth at this time down to the land of Egypt to sell him. This is what your body would do to your soul if you listen to it. Your body would sell your birthright. Your body would sell your opportunity to sit in heavenly places. 
Praise the Lord. And who will help our body do it? Well, sometimes it'll be your mama. Sometimes it'll be your daddy. Sometimes it'll be your cousin. Sometimes it'll be this and that and the other. You better put God first in front of mama, daddy, brother, sister. Praise the Lord. Brother Dale, they never realized what a treasure they had. They had a treasure, the Ishmaelites. And what did they do with that treasure? Sold him. And what would your body sell your soul for? Pack of cigarettes? Fifth of whiskey? A woman that's not your wife? Man that's not your husband? This is why we can't trust this animal. You hear me, saints? I don't want you to live a life full of fear, neither, neither does God. God wants us to live a life of submission and subjection. We watch this thing every day. How many of you, some of the biggest mistakes you ever made in your life, and there was something that was sneaked right on you, and Satan caught you in a moment of weakness, and oh, it caused you horrific things. How could that be? And you say, my goodness, I thought I had the Holy Ghost. How could that be? Because you can't trust Ishmael. Speak, Lord Jesus. You see, Eve doubted the original word. And when she did, she forfeited her rights to be my mother. She should have given birth to Isaiah. She should have given birth to Christ. But instead, she forfeited her rights. As Sarah, I brought in Ishmael's birth. So our mother Eve brought in my Ishmael's birth. Into these types of Ishmael's. What Psalms 83, 4. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Now David, of course, writing this in his time frame, but it was also prophetic. We know the great battle that's going on today in the land of Palestine. I don't know if many of you know where the name Palestine comes from. I'm gonna tell you. You'll never find God calling that the land of Palestine, but the land of Israel. It comes from the Emperor Hadrian, the Roman Emperor Hadrian. He put all the Jews out that he could find, killed thousands of them. He wanted to so eradicate Israel's tie to the land. He renamed that land out of one of the, after one of their ancient enemies. Philistine, Palestine, Palestine. So by renaming it, they thought it would pass down the heritage. They'd lose it forever. So he thought to rename baptism in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And he thought the truth was lost forever. But God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. 
In a little bit, we're going to have some of these folks here to be baptized, but they're not going to be baptized in the Philistine name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They're going to be baptized in the blessed name of the Son. Hallelujah, the promised Son, Jesus Christ, the Word. Why? Because we have been restored back to our promised land. And part of our promised land is water baptism in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Palestinian question was not even be a question today if Israel would stay in their land. So they think to rename the land, take the name from it. And now all of a sudden we've got these people that are called Palestinians. There is no such race on the earth. Do your DNA, do your genealogy, look at it. There is no such race. When God named the land, he named the land after a man. But when politicians want to do it, what do they do? They change the name of the land and then name the people after a land. That's why they specialize in denominations. So they make a denomination and then the people take on the name of the denomination. Woo! Hallelujah! But we don't take the name of a denomination. We don't take the name of an organization. We take the name of a person. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me read this and we'll close. Verse five, for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. Now listen who it is that confederated. The tabernacles of Edom, Esau, and the Ishmaelites of Moab, which is descendants of Lot, and the Hagarenes. Hagarenes, what a name. Well, when I don't like Donnie sometimes, I go to read some of his names, I think, Donnie ain't so bad after all. The Hagarines. Look who was against Israel. Edom, Moab, and the Hagarines. Gibal, Ammon, Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre. Ashur is also joined with them. They have hopen the children of Lot. Salah. And who were most of these people? Kinfolk. There'll be more people that'll miss hell because of their mama than they ever will a prostitute on the street. Or their daddy or their uncle. Well, daddy don't go along with Brother Donnie. Bless God, whatever daddy says is the gospel. No, if daddy don't say what the truth is, daddy's a liar. Just like mama, Aunt Susie, and Uncle Fred, and whoever more. God said, let my word be true, and every man a liar. Let's stand. Let me, let me share something else with you here from the second coming. Now notice this before that he prophesied there the walls of Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles. Well, the Gentile dispensation will be finished. The Mohammedans have took it over. We realize that. Now those of you that know your current history along with ancient history, you know that a Jew 
is not allowed on the Temple Mount to this very day. They were not allowed around the ancient Wailing Wall until they took it back. And now they go there and they meet, fold up the little prayer requests and stick them in the cracks of the wall. What's God doing? Starting the full restoration back. But he started from where? From Jerusalem. Why? Jerusalem has been fought over more than any other city on the earth. Think of it. She has no coal, no oil, no gems, has hardly any water supply. What is it about her that so many people won't? What is it about you that so many demons want? There's nobody fought against like the queen of heaven like the bride of Christ. Why don't he leave us alone? We're nobody. We're in comparison. Why well, we don't hardly number compared to no other system or denomination. Why do all hell hate us? It's who our husband is. Glory. Notice Brother Bram says, I want you to look at this crisis tonight, 1957, how Ishmael and Isaac are still at each other's neck right at Jerusalem where it's predicted they would be. And a few years ago, there was hardly any Jews at all in Jerusalem. And if you've been noticing the paper that we, the United States, are taking sides with the Arabs. Now look at our politicians today. Look at how many of our senators and our congressmen are more concerned about the Palestinians than they are the Jews. That hatred is building, friends. Every nation on the earth will turn against them and our Lord Jesus will come out of heaven, hallelujah, with the army of the living God following him. Praise God. The prophet said, brother, the handwriting is on the wall. Whoever blesses Israel will be blessed. Who curses Israel shall be cursed. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Praise the Lord. Those that want to be baptized, if you'll come. Sisters, come on this side and the brothers over on this side here. Think of it, friends. You and your walk with God. You facing your Ishmael every day. Ishmael and Isaac at the gate. This is mine. This is mine. No, it ain't yours. You can't have this. No, this is mine. No, we were here first. No, you wasn't. I was. And they still want to do the same to you today. Your old body wants to fight against your soul. And your soul says, I'm the firstborn of God. And the body said, you don't even understand that. He preaches that and you don't even understand half what he said. You just sat there like everybody else. You got to shut him up. Amen. That's right. How many like to be remembered today? You want to be a better soldier of that battle that's closer to you and your own body. Lord Jesus, I know this has been simple today, but Father, I pray through its simplicity. You'll be able to speak to our hearts, Lord. Father God, we realize when we were in the world and lost, there was no tumult going on on in between the realms of our being. 
Our body was lost. Our spirit was lost. Our soul was lost. But once we become converted, it sets up a great war. Our soul is born by the breath of God. Our spirit is still human, given to us in place of the theophany. So it will reason. And there's not a person here today, if they'll be honest, that say that their spirit, probably just even this week, will even try to reason with the word and reason. How could this be? I, I don't understand that. Why, why can that be? And I, I don't understand. But Lord, we've got to know who that is talking. And the devil many times will convince saints when their spirit is talking, it's their soul. And they'll think they're not even born again or don't have the Holy Ghost. Help us to be able to rightly divide, Lord God. Our spirit will do that to the day it gets replaced with our theophany. We know in the body change, the prophet tells us what happens if you've died therefore and entered into the theophany, the theophany will come to the earth and pick up the redeemed body. It takes three to make that perfection. So we will have a soul, a theophany, a glorified body. What happens to our human spirit? We don't need reasoning no more, imagination no more. We get that part we should have had, a theophany. So it'll be soul, theophany, glorified body. But today, those that are born again in this place and around the world, two-thirds of their elements is working against them. Five gates on the outside. See, taste, feel, smell, and hear. Five gates in the spirit, imagination, conscience, memory, reason, affection. All ten of those are against the one gate of the soul. They're there every day, every night. But we will win. Glory to God. As you showed your prophet Ezekiel the vision in the valley of dry bones. Son of man, can these bones live again? Oh Lord God, thou knowest. Prophesy. Prophesy. It took the revealing of the Son of Man to prophesy a word to bring bone to bone and sinew and skin. This is why we didn't need just a pastor. We didn't need an evangelist. We needed a prophet. We need the ministry of the Son of Man to come in the last day to prophesy. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, may we live in your presence. Lord God, there's people standing right here today that were dead, but they have been quickened to life. Hallelujah. Their Isaac is bearing witness to the glory of God. They were depressed. They were sad. They were gloomy. But Isaac means laughter. Now in the middle of storms, they've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've got peace that passeth understanding because Isaac lives in our soul. Our Ishmael gets sad. He gets sick. He gets depressed. He gets weary. But Isaac says, don't be sad. Lift up your heads. Your redemptions are drawing nigh. We love you, Lord Jesus. The signs of the times are everywhere, Lord. We want to be ready, Lord God. Lord Jesus, if there's anything in any person's heart today that's present or those that are here this service, may you speak to them, Lord. May they make peace. They're in the hospital room, maybe in an office, and they're working. Maybe they'll do it tomorrow in New Zealand. It'll be a different time frame in Australia and France. 
wherever they are, Lord God. May the Holy Ghost come down right where they are, Father. Help them to make that peace, Lord. Oh, grant it, sweet Jesus. We worship you today. Thank you for letting us come back together today, Lord. We just have such gratitude in our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Hey, let's just sing a little something with the finishing up for the baptism. Don't you love him, saints? You ready, Brother Wes? You ready? All right, he's ready. Let's just go ahead. Hallelujah. 
I told him, I said, Brother, how much do you think I knew when I, when I took the Lord's hand? I said, We don't start out knowing everything. That's right. He guides us. He guides us in the wisdom. Amen. Baptize you, my brother, in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not Brother Daniel, let's sing this. Take my life, a living sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. I know that it's the least that I can do. Thank you, Lord. Make my life, a living sacrifice.
cannot be content until I reach that place. Thank you, Lord. How little I have given up to you. Lord, break down my will, make my desires your own. I want to give my everything. enjoy his service here today praise the Lord when you stop and think about it this is the way church ought to be people coming together to worship the king of kings and the lord of lords had a song on my mind for a long time I don't sing it brother Joel Brown sings it come brother Joel real quick I want you to sing this song we'll help you but the word that was formed in Mary she said be it unto me according to thy word I want Brother Joel to sing that. That word that was formed in Mary, it can be formed in me and you. What a, what a majestic step these five souls took today to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you appreciate them? Give them a nice hand this morning if you would. She was a virgin bride to be. And one night as she lay quietly, the Spirit of the Lord overshadowed her. Amen. Praise the Lord. And said that 
conceive a child that sin cannot defile and she said be it unto me according to thy word and she kept
your mouth the words to this song. And one night as she lay quiet. Has this happened to you on your bed at night? Spirit of the Lord began to come into her room. And said that you conceive. He told you you can make it. you give a special thanks for what God has done here today. God has been among us today, folks. Praise the Lord. Give thanks, Brother Darrell. It's hard to cry and snot in these masks. Oh, Lord, thank you. Lord, I just don't have the words, Lord. I'm not a smart person, Lord. But from the depths of our hearts, we thank you for the words that we've heard today, Lord. Yes, we do. Lord, the best way to defeat your enemy is to know your enemy. Lord, you made these things so real to us. We so thank you, dear God, for the lives that received baptism today, Lord. We thank you, dear God, for the words that struck our souls Lord brought the juice out of our eyes and we thank you Lord Jesus and Father we're going to hold on to the promise to all of our brothers and sisters gathered back in together again Lord oh Father God today may your spirit Lord move Brother Eugene Kennedy, Lord. Brother Gene Lehman. Brother Randall, Lord. Others, dear God, that are battling the enemy, Lord, with cancer. Oh, God. May your spirit move upon them, Lord. When we was in the army, God, they taught us to leave no one behind. Oh, God. In this battlefield, Lord, may we carry our wounded to the victory, we pray. 
Thank you for the word of God. Thank you, dear God, for that day that each of us, Lord, remembers. When we felt when we felt little Isaac kicking our hearts. That day, Lord, you changed our lives. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Go with your children today now, Lord. May we meditate upon these things. May we receive them into our hearts, Lord. May bring forth much fruit for your glory. Those that are traveling back home today, Lord, maybe the brothers and sisters back to Maryland, whatever, give them traveling grace, Lord, today. Lord, thank you. You just seem so inadequate, but it's the only word I know, Lord. But from the depths of our heart, Lord, we thank you, dear God, for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, it's been a good day. It's been a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Anybody ask you where you're going? Sing it for them, Brother Joel. As you get ready to go, you can leave whenever you get ready. But let's, let's sing a little bit of this before we leave this morning. If you want to know where I'm going,
God.